In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Orange is lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Then Mars face evil's Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 502. Happy New Year! That is true. This will be released. This will be released in January. I had to I had to think about that because I was about to make a folder for this. And it's like, oh, I'll make a folder in my a subfolder in my December 2022 folder. And it's like, nope, it's gonna be January 2022. <laughs> It's going to be the Three. future soon, Mark. It's going to be the future. It's do you ever think about the fact that it'll be the future tomorrow? That's, isn't that weird? It'll be the future in thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't count because I'm still right there. I'm, or I'm, I'm still right here, and I'll be here. You know, time is a time is a flat circle. Let's move on. Uh, well, that's kind of an appropriate segue, perhaps. Perhaps, perhaps. considering tonight we are we are covering what is. What by all accounts seem to be the end of the current volume of Green Lantern, which hasn't been expressly stated anywhere, but the the new John Stewart book starting up in a few months has a different writer and is presumably starting with the number one. So this is likely the final Jeffrey Thorne issue. Yes, re- regardless of the like end chapter one garbage, which we'll talk about. <laughs> Wait, which, which you know, I get why it's there, but at the same time, Lonar said that already, like two issues ago. Realistically speaking, considering yes, we're that everything points to changing to a new creative team and and the Thorn Run being flushed down the toilet. I don't care that it was originally listed in the script to say end chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it in detail, but there was really no need for that to actually. But then again, there's there's a type. I'm assuming you you have the physical issue. You have the physical issue. I got it digitally. Yeah. Well, do you have the typo on it towards the end when they when they left out the R and Lonar? Oh, I didn't notice. I'll have to. Yeah. I'll I'll try to lo I'll try to locate it. So, but I noticed it when I was reading this yesterday that there was there towards the end of the book that. They go to say Lonar and they just say Lona and there's no R. It's actually on, it is the page right before, uh, what's his face who now looks like the time trapper disappears on the, the top panel on the left hand side. John Stewart just says Lona, but he's telling him that he's restricted, but we can deal with that later. I'm just, that's, that's just where it is when we get to it. I just have oh, to know. Yeah. 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 It, now, I mean, I mean, it sucks that it's there, but it obviously didn't impact me at all. So, you know, it obviously didn't impact the editors either. I mean, look, I think that is less egregious than all of the times they gave Hal White boot, boots for no reason. 
it could be more egregious than the story we're going to talk about too. So who knows? It's all it's all in perspective, I suppose. Hey, pace yourself there. I know. I I, I might be getting ahead of myself. But all right. I, so, I digest. Go ahead. <laughs> let's let's uh go ahead. and by the way, so this is the short version. <laughs> Uh, so we got John Stewart, The Emerald Knight, number one, written by Jeffrey Thorne, with art by Marco Santucci, colors by Michael Atya, and letters by Rob Lay. The title of this issue is Gemini Lux, which is Latin for Twin Light. So it's been two years since John Stewart returned to the Dark Sector after defeating Koyos on the planet Oa. John has been sharing some of his power with the 300 remaining quest lanterns so that they can fight back against Isak's army. They've managed to liberate a bunch of worlds, but it isn't enough. And all they're really doing is slowing Isak's plan down while he creates his own ver- versions of the new gods by sacrificing entire planetary populations and harvesting their life force. According to Lonar, Isak has an advantage because he isn't bound by all of the usual rules that the new gods have to live by. Unlike all of the other new gods, Isak isn't the god of anything. Once a new god chooses a specialty, they gain immense power pertaining to that specific thing, but their ability to act outside of that scope becomes incredibly limited. Take take Loner, for example. He's the god of journeys, meaning he can transport you anywhere in time and space with ease, as well as point you in exactly the right direction you need to go in to fulfill your destiny. But he doesn't know what your destiny actually is or what you'll have to do to fulfill it. So all those times we thought Lonar was just being a jerk for withholding information, he wasn't. He's never known any of the answers. Uh, Well, yes, but we'll get back. All all he knows is what direction John's journey is supposed to take him in because that's all Lonar is the god of. Uh, The other problem is that Isak's plan breaks all kinds of cosmic rules about how the universe is supposed to function, since he's creating his own race of gods, which is something that only the source is supposed to be able to do. And he's doing all of it out of a, a desire to make things the way they used to be in, you know, the good old days before the gods of New Genesis evolved and became what they are today. John decides that instead of giving a little power to 300 lanterns, he'll instead give a lot of power to eight lanterns in the form of green swords that are basically permanent constructs that generate their own power supply. While they take care of the army defending Isak, John is free to deal with Isak directly with a little help from a variant of himself he pulled out of hypertime. The two Johns subdue Isak, and our John talks Isak into basically defeating himself. John uses his own life and ascension as an example of how everything changes over time, regardless of how much we may want things to stay the same. To live is to change, and you can't have one without the other. John forces Isak to realize something fundamental about himself. Everything Isak has done was for the sake of recreating a past that he can't let go of, a prior version that he prefers and longs to see again. John asks Isak what he's the god of, and in that moment, Isak is reborn as the god of nostalgia. Now that Isak is the god of something, his ability to act outside of that scope is extremely limited, and he's no longer capable of finishing what he started. So he vows revenge before disappearing from the dark sectors. 
His armies remain and are still claiming worlds in his name, so there's a, still a lot of work to be done. But first, it's, it's time to send everyone home. John and his variant pool their power to return the 300 remaining Quest Lanterns to the main DC universe, and John's variant goes with them. Our John decide to stay in the dark sectors to keep working to save all the people Isak pulled out of hypertime. A small group of lanterns decide to stay behind and help him, as did Ilo, who's all grown up now, and Lonar, who can't seem to get enough of seeing how this story plays out. And John is content to keep fighting this fight, because not only do the people of the dark sectors still need him, He's already seen a variant of the planet Zanchi that's still alive and well. So it's only a matter of time before he finds a way back to his wife, Kat Matui. How many months did we, did we wait for this? Uh, like, I mean, like all of dark, all of dark crisis. Yeah. For some reason, my mind wants to cry out like something like April. We'd have to go back and actually take a look at when, when, uh, but oh my God. Uh, I mean, Dark Crisis was seven issues, so it was either seven or eight months. I, I don't even know where to begin with this one. Um, so you liked it? Not really. Oh, I thought, <laughs> Did oh you? this one this was kind of fun. Like, honestly, like my biggest complaint about this entire issue is that I wish I could got to see these concepts explored in a longer form where they, we could take some more time with them. Like. I think every I think everything that this introduces about like the power system of the new gods is fascinating and just giving it like an info dump in the middle of the issue and letting that be it is kind of a disservice to the idea. Well, it certainly is wordy for a large portion of the book. It it is like you said, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of exposition, which also in that exposition what you said is accurate, but John still says, well, it would have been nice. Some of the information that Lonar gives him, it's like, uh, well, it would have been nice if you told me sooner. Yeah, I mean, up. there's there's one panel in here where um, Lonar is like offers to transport them all to where Isak is. And one of the lanterns just looks at Lonar and says, uh, oh, God, what exactly is it here? F you, buddy. <laughs> oh, no, here it is. Here it is. I think it's Hanu. And he just says you, but you never do anything helpful. Yeah, that, that kind of. That kind of is that kind of is yeah. funny and not necessarily inaccurate. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, but yeah, I mean, I my biggest my biggest problem with this issue overall is the fact that it's all it's all been forced to be crammed into a single forty page issue and not grown organically over the course of like another year's worth of comics. You know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think this makes the the journey any better that now that we know this was the even though it was an abridged destination it's like somebody ripped off half the map and this is where we have to stop i don't know it's it helps a little bit in some areas like it it helps that we know that the reason why time works weird in the dark sector is because of the hyper time connection to what isak is doing and that's the reason why time is all screwy in the dark sector that i can get that makes a little bit of sense I still don't quite understand. Oh, John finds John gets another version of himself and we don't even get the real version going back into our universe. The real version is technically staying in the dark sector. And Zanshi is one of those crux worlds. So this is supposed to be this really is Zanshi. But I'm also, yeah. also not sure why Zanshi being back, how that translates into Katma. Well, it's they're not directly related. It's just the idea that 
that you know if you can if you can reach into hyper time you can find you can like every hyper timeline is essential is literally an entire populated copy of the universe so right but it so wouldn't be his but it wouldn't be his cat matui it's it's another time it's another cat matui but like the the thing like like the difference between hyper time like a hyper timeline and a straight up like earth 2 or earth 3 or something is that it's a it's a variant timeline that only exists for a little while before folding back in so so of a, a hyper time variant of somebody technically is the main version of that person while also being another one of them you know does that make sense from the perspective of if, if what you're trying to say is they exist for a while before the the anomaly has to be dealt with and yeah. removed again yeah, it's and, gonna have to be yeah. removed in a different way because the, that the because they were meant to be removed to begin with well it's not uh, even that they were it's it's literal like it's literally like hyper time exists as a tool to explain why there are small in- inconsistencies across all of these these decades of stories without having to constantly invent entire new universes just to be like, oh, well, yeah, that's the universe where it's exactly the same thing, except Hal Jordan wore blue pants that day instead of brown pants. Like, like, no, there was just like there was just like a diversion timeline for a second where he wore different color pants and that remerged and, th- and then it's smoothed over and we don't have to think about it anymore. Like like this issue, if you want to talk about why hypertime is in this story at all, I believe it's to get us to a point where John can stay behind because this issue goes to some pretty specific lengths to explain to us that yeah a hypertime variant of somebody is the real person just as much as the main universe version is because that that lends weight to the fact that hey here's a hypertime variant of Zanshi somewhere out there in some hyper timeline is a variant of Katma that's still alive. And it also, and that also allows the real John Stewart quote unquote, to go back into the DC universe and have more adventures while our John Stewart, his story can basically end here and he can be happy living in a world where Zanchi and Katma are still around. Basically, like the John that goes back, like like the variant John is the is the John Stewart that died with the Justice League, and that is the John Stewart that is likely going to star in that new John Stewart book that's starting up next year, and that and this allow this approach to hypertime allows them to have the real John Stewart continue on in the DC universe. But also the real John Stewart is th- still an ascended being living his best life over here, getting basically a happy ending to his decades of struggles. So no matter what the main universe does with that with that version of John, he loses his ascended powers, he goes back to the status quo, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't undo anything that happened to advance the character of John over this past run. I mean, my biggest fear was that 
we're going to just magically get away from all the character progression that's happened with John in the Thorn run, which I I am very happy about because it feels like my favorite Green Lantern series got a chance to come full circle. And the fact that there is a way to to keep all of it while also giving the DC universe it a a John Stewart that can be reset back to standard again. Best of both worlds, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I don't know what I really feel about this. Generally speaking, it was. I mean, it's it's not weird because it's it's from the perspective that it's it's not weird because it's not surprising that we didn't get any ties to to what was done with Oa. And the in the in the kind of reborn central power battery and the status and that status quo. It doesn't surprise me that we didn't get any of that in this issue, really, because it seems like deep down this is kind of the story that jo- that uh, Thorn really wanted to deal with the entire time was dealing with whatever John was dealing or doing in the dark sector. But I'm not gonna lie that this this whole the majority of the dark sector stuff was always the least interesting part of the book for me as a whole. As we discussed when we were reviewing the book that. There were, there were a few moments when it kind of ebbed and flowed where the stuff that John Stewart was doing was more interesting. Probably during like the, the latter, the, the, the middle to end of the investigation part with Joe and everything after the Sinestro appearance. That's when that part of the book for a while started going off into oblivion and the John Stewart stuff was a tad more interesting, but I don't know. I, I, it just, the, the power is like, it's like the power is kind of like split. And then he also used the power to create all these like the Excalibur like weapons for, for the for the Emerald Guard. And it's like, I, I I don't know. I'm not really sure what what to really take out of all this. And and I see I mean, I guess if we really thought John Stewart was going to have a happy ending in the dark sector somewhere that I guess maybe it'd be easier to deal with. We know that's not going to happen. <laughs> but but the question is, OK, if he if he if he clears out all. All of Isak takes out all his trash and he he writes all these wrongs. And let's say he finds a version of Katma that basically is not with a John, that doesn't have a John. Because that's the other thing, too. You have to find a Katma. You have to find a Katma that's Johnless because or else you're going to end up or else it's going to be just like a more benevolent version of what Wanda was doing in Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> so. Does that mean once he finds her, he's going to come back? And if he comes back, what happens to the John Stewart that's here now? Well, gonna, I mean, are they going to merge? Are they going to merge and be one super John Stewart, or are they going to switch places back? Or and what? And where did this John Stewart and 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 where did this John Stewart come from that he yanked him out of the hyper time? What what was his deal there? I don't know, but at the same time, the fact that he his variant came from a hyper timeline means that. He came from a timeline that was only temporary anyway. So the fact that he's out of it, like there's nowhere, there's nowhere to put him back to. That timeline was always just going to remerge and fade away. So he's just here now. Like, like they, I suppose they could, they could merge the two Johns if they wanted to, but I don't see why they would need to, especially since they're like, there's, there's at least a 50% chance that whoever writes John Stewart in the future might not even know that there's two versions of him out there technically. And 
if they don't remember it or don't realize it or don't check on it and our john stays in the dark sector forever i mean why would he have to come back even if they successfully like dismantle everything isak uh put in place they've still got like i don't even know how big how many sectors are in the dark sectors there's a bunch of them there's like there's there's multiple there's handfuls of space sectors in there that's a lot of territory to to handle that's a lot of people to protect and we know that there are threats out there that have nothing to do with isak because that's like uh was it the kunari raiders at the beginning of this whole thing like like yeah it's it's just it's a it's an isolated corner of the universe that needs lanterns just like any other corner of the universe and it's the place where john has the potential to to live a more peaceful life and be happy because hey his wife and his greatest regret never went away why does he say emerald guard jordan attack to begin the issue i took that as like like they have like a a battle tactic called like the jordan maneuver or something like that you know like however hal approaches a fight they built a a strategy around it so if like he they could have very easily yelled out like like rainer maneuver go and like they would do something based on like something kyle is known for and that does make sense Uh, it's that it it reads confusing to start with, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird way to begin because you're looking because as soon as you see that, you're expecting to see Hal Jordan somewhere. Yeah, but it probably but you are correct, because a Jordan attack would basically mean, hey, just 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 flying, flying recklessly without thinking. <laughs> Throw a big rock at him and then someone throws Hanu at him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I came into this not really knowing what to expect. And part of me, part of me, expe- like thought we might get like something to bridge the gap between this run and whatever's next. But I'm, I'm kind of glad that it was literally about nothing, but, but trying to end this story. Yeah. I would say on that level, I would agree with you that it's, I mean, it's nice to have the baton handed to a certain extent, even if it's just a, a few things like what Morrison either did or was told to do to pass you know, basically paved the way for for the thorn run uh but you also don't want to do you don't want to uh you don't want to go too far down that road where you're compromising your own story so well. i can i so i so i do under i do understand that i mean you there's know, there's some we have to keep in mind like this story has been literally nothing but compromise because like if you've if you've read anything any interviews with jeffrey thorne or listened or watched any video interviews he's done like he he was hired to write a john stewart miniseries it was just gonna be john out in space by himself exploring cosmic dc that was it and then they said oh by the way do you want to be a co-writer do you want to write the backup of the ongoing green lantern book he's like okay sure and then it became oh by the way the other writer dropped out. Do you want to just write the ongoing Green Lantern book? Oh, sure. Oh, by the way, uh, get rid of the central battery and put Joe in the story. What? Uh, okay. 
oh, by the way, I know you want to use the endless for one of your big reveals. You can't use them anymore. Come up with something else. And that's how we got a time travel story in the middle of it. Like all of this, like, like, I guess if there was one big thing, one big positive takeaway from this whole run is that anybody who paid attention to it on this level had like the curtain pulled back on like how non squeaky clean the process of mainstream comics is at the big two. Like you don't just show up with the story you want to write and then write it the way you want to. And then they publish it. It's constantly changing. It's constantly push and pull and change this. And, and if you're lucky, you come out the other side, having told some version of the story you wanted to tell. That is true that you do get. Now, it, you could be cynical and say, well, this may happen more than than you like. But it's also not it's not every every single time. you. It depends who you are, too, and the clout that you have that not every single time someone's telling a story and they have a book that they have to jump through these hoops. This is a but it's not, I'm not saying it's isolated either, but the reality is. This is this is another example when you look at you can point your fingers clearly at the change in editorial at DC as a whole for this. And the fact that they a on one level, they didn't really know what the hell they were doing or what they wanted to do. But they certainly knew that. But if, but they knew who they wanted to promote and push, even if it doesn't make any sense based on the story or even if you have to completely change somebody's story around that was already pretty much planned out it's like oh we have to change it because you got to put joe in there and for what purpose because she was such a great detective that she figured it all out on her own no she didn't (laughs) oh so she could show up sinestro it's like oh okay kind of i don't know i it's hard to know what this again if he had gotten to do his entire run i think maybe being very kind Maybe people would look at look at this differently. But based on only having the first basically the first year of this, the first part done. Yeah, the first third. Yeah, that's that's the big that's the biggest thing I hate about this is that, okay, he he had his story for his miniseries and then he reworked it to fit as the second half of an ongoing thing. And then he had to rework it again to be what we got. So now it's set up as as a part of a th- a three act ongoing series, and we got to see Act One, and then the book's over. So it's like great. So we're never not only are we not ever going to see how the events of this one shot could have played out na- more naturally, we're not going to see the stuff that couldn't fit in it. And in a few minutes, I can talk about some of that stuff because there are. Uh, Let's say let's just say like there are some things that Jeffrey Thorne won't talk about because they're still in the air and hey, maybe DC will still do them. But there are also some th- possibilities that have been very blatantly closed and he had no issue talking about those in detail. So Jeffrey Thorne recently did an interview with a YouTube channel called the Comics Cube and he's actually done a couple of these before talking about his Green Lantern run. and. On it, he goes into some of the plans that he had for his run that, for various reasons, can't happen anymore. Like, like there are things that he won't talk about, like the fact that he had 
some big plans for Kelly, but he has no idea what is and is not still on the table for the characters, so he's not going to talk about any of them. Other than the fact that he mentioned he was going to have her team up with Ty Pham at some point, somehow. I, th- I think overall, if there's a theme to to what he was talking about, it's the fact that his goal with this run was to change as many Green Lanterns as possible into something unique. You know, John has obviously embraced his existence as an ascended being. Simon has manifested some kind of connection to the lanterns who died when the central battery was taken. Those lanterns have returned to some sort of construct ghosts haunting their own rings. Uh, The true nature of both of those things are still a mystery, but it isn't as simple as all those lanterns just being dead. There's something else now. A big a big one for me was Jessica was never going to stop being yellow. Like Thorne didn't come up with the idea of giving her a yellow ring. But once he saw it, he loved it and was going to run with it. His plan was to explore how injecting an out and out superhero into the Sinestro Corps was going to split them into two rival factions. Uh, and then there's Kyle. Remember how uh, we spent a while, a long time wondering, oh, what's going on with Kyle? Where, who found him? What's he, he doing? And then Dark Crisis comes around and just says, oh, Kyle got a big gun and broke and broke it free from his captors. And then they gave him a ring again. Uh, well, the original plan is that when the central battery went out, Kyle died in space and was found by the beings who created Kelly's gauntlet. Uh, and they they would experiment on Kyle's body and his ring and use that knowledge to perfect the technology that was used to make the gauntlet. And since Kyle died in space, his body was instantly frozen and preserved. So he would eventually wake up with fractured memories because because comics, because sci fi that that's what we do here. And that eventually he would go on to have new powers, a new costumed identity and be positioned as a sometimes ally, sometimes enemy of the Green Lantern Corps, depending on the context of what's going on in the larger universe. Guy's arc would be saving Kyle from the people experimenting on him with the ultimate goal of making Guy into more of a 60s-era Captain Kirk for the Green Lantern Corps. Hal was going... like the, the All he said about Hal's arc, arc that he had planned out was what if James Bond was forced to do M's job which I know we've seen we've seen Hal be the leader of the core before but for him that's never meant being taken off of the front lines so I think it's more of a uh, a uh, let's take let's take the hot shot who always puts him out in front and force him to stay in the back and do the the kind of the messy work that he always let other people handle so that he could go out and save the day. And then of course, Kelly teaming up with Ty fam. I don't know. Common theme for today's episode, I suppose the Kyle stuff is there's some, it's interesting. I don't know. It obviously would not, you can make a case. This is true for all lanterns, Fan, all the lanterns and their fan groups and their supporters, but I think it's I think it's more true that people are really finicky with Kyle, that it's hard to make Kyle fans really happy with what they do with Kyle, 
and I understand Kyle has a there's a unique reason for this. I I so I I do understand where some of this comes from. So I'm not saying that I don't. But trying to look at it through the prism of the Kyle fan base, I find it difficult to believe that that would make them particularly happy. Yes, oh Kyle is unique, which Kyle always has to be unique, or else somehow the character is being shortchanged of uh, that percentage of the fan of Kyle's fan base. So they would they would probably like that. But the idea that, oh, it's kind of kind of sounds like they're parallaxing him in the way the parallax originally was that he's going to have unique powers. And depending on what the circumstances is, while he can be on your side, he could be against your side. And I don't since we still have now, we don't really know about we still don't really know about the gauntlet. Right. No. Yeah, we have. We don't really understand, which was another waste. The whole thing about the the. The whole where the gauntlet came from that 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 now if he was ever going to delve into that which I guess he was going to I mean on in one basic level he was going to I guess in his mind's eye he had the idea who created the gauntlet because like you said that that's what he's that was going to be tied tied into Kyle but just looking at that's another thing that you know they they kick, sometimes people get too ambitious you know it's different it's different when you're doing if you're if you're an author and you're very successful and you have had multiple books published and multiple book series published, then yeah, it's understandable. You can plan the oh, this is like a three book cycle or a five book cycle, and you have every confidence that you're going to get to do five books because hey, you're you're selling books and you always have. When you're doing comics, we all know that it, it ebbs and it flows. And if you're not a huge name and you don't have a huge fan base, and hell, even if you do, I mean, obviously Morrison has a lot of fans and. And but then again, we don't know if Morrison's book would have potentially survived, even if he had wanted to do one more year. We don't necessarily know it. It may very well have survived if the Dio hadn't gotten the boot and there wasn't a big change in editorial. So there's a chance that he would have been able to do this, stay on that book if he had wanted to. At least one more year. But you, but if you're a lesser writer from a from a power and perspective that there's no way that you know that. So I. I understand there are some things you want to play the long game on, but it's dangerous to do too much in the long game. And I think it's this sounds like whether you like a lot of these ideas or not, or you liked what you got in the first and apparently only year of Thorne's regular run. The reality is there were he probably had too many. He was juggling too many things that he expected for payoff two three years down the road and i don't think and i think that ultimately bit him because you look at it so there were so many things that we got in the first in that whole cycle and yes understanding that that editorial seemingly did a, a, a chop job and and really forced him to do force in quotes air bunnies because if he didn't really like it he could have just left and he could have just said well i'd like to do this book but that's not the book that you originally told me i was going to do that either way, the reality is that there were so many things that all these breadcrumbs that never led anywhere. And that's the problem with stuff like this is the odds are most of the some of these things will have to be dealt with, probably, unless somebody just doesn't really give a shit about Kelly. And then they never have to deal with Kelly again, really, if they really don't want to. Or they certainly the origins of her gauntlet. You can give a little wrap up. Oh, she's convalescing. Oh, she's 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 okay. Or kind of do a, a variation on like when John was 
within his wheelchair and stuff before that the Kelly's going to be out of commission for a while, but either because DC doesn't know what they want to do with her or the writer in question has no desire to do anything with her, but we don't want to take her off the table completely. So we're just kind of, there's a lot, there's lots of things they could do, but there, there were so many things that doors that were open. Are we, are we going to see a resolution to them, to the multi, to the multicolor lanterns all using the same power battery? Is that going to be completely changed? Uh, I don't know. I mean, considering I, that Dark Crisis came and went and told a multiverse story without rebooting or retconning anything, I think it's I'm I'm personally expecting to see this status quo remain. Yeah, I th- I'm going to assume that's the case, too. But I don't know. It's it's you look at this run and you look at the Morrison run and it's and for it's tough because Morris, you can make a case they both were ambitious on some level, but in different ways. But they both were both Morrison and Thorne were ambitious in what they wanted to tell. At least at least Morrison seemed to contain a lot, not entirely, but at least his his arcs seemed to make a, be a little more concise as much as any of whatever he does is concise because we know it's dense as hell. I, d- I don't know. I don't know if either run is overly satisfying, but it just seems like it was, I guess, even if it was forced, it was surprising how at the end of the day, the Morrison run of these was was tying back into the Green Lantern core in the world, the proper Green Lantern proper, just even if it was just because he knew you were going to ha- hand the baton off. So in a way that makes it because a lot of people thought that or some people thought that basically this was like almost going to be existing like in its own pocket universe and not have any ramifications and, and whatever they did, whoever took over the book wasn't going to touch, was going to pretend like none of it ever happened. And then you have the thorn run and it's like, you don't know how much of, you also don't know. You also don't know how much control the writer is going to have. I mean, how much is editorial really for more than usual is forcing people to do things that they don't want to do or, or, or saying, well, you are, it's like it's like it's a choose your own adventure book, except, you know, uh, you're going to get to like 50 of these pages. And when you get to 50 of these pages, 40 times out of 50, we're going to tell you which choice you have to make. Uh, I mean, based on the way that he's talking about it after the fact, it sounds like most of the big swings from editorial happened in the beginning. And like once we got a good ways into it, he was it was mostly hands off until until uh, somebody decided Dark Crisis was coming, and we had to just kind of hang out for a while to see what happened there. Which is which is really weird too, because if you when you would think about it, if if this if the status quo was going to be maintained, and since we know Dark Crisis as a whole didn't affect anybody's monthly books really, other than arguably Green Lantern is the is, is the biggest example because <laughs> there was none. Why couldn't this, why couldn't the story just have continued? You know, it's almost like he could have he could have at least gotten an abridged version of something or he could have he could have done something to or, make or like why why did it have to for so many of these characters it's like oh my god Wonder Woman's dead that means we can't have a Wonder Woman book no we, we can it can be about Donna or something or Hippolyta like the Flash you know Barry's gone so it became a Wally book like why 
first off, why did the Green Lantern who died with the Justice League have to be John? Especially since John was in like a weird hyper time bubble at the time. Why couldn't it have been like Hal or something? There's there's enough characters that if even if whoever your main Green Lantern is dies, you can just have the book be about somebody else because there's there's a there are other Green Lanterns. <laughs> I think the reason why they kind of had to kill they had to have it be John because because of John's power set. If he was still on the table, then they're going to have to come up with a reason why John can't solve a lot of these problems on his own. Yeah, I guess. Um, just, just that's a, when you were saying that, I was mm-hmm. just thinking that that's probably the that's probably the main reason. It's like you kind of made you kind of have John Stewart just like a step below a god, and then and then he should be able to deal with some of these issues. Then again, if that was the case, he should have been able to deal with Pariah more on his own too. But then again, you would have more of an explanation. You would have to come up with more of an explanation of John having time and strategy and maybe and maybe having a little bit of knowledge going in that he wouldn't that he didn't have when all the stuff was yeah. playing out the first time. Oh, you uh, know, I always forget. Well, I always forget that Dark Crisis happens in like the vaguely not too distant future. Future, Yeah, because because the the so the timeline is Green Lantern one through 12 plus the Jessica annual. Then this issue then the death of the Justice League, and then Dark Crisis. So the version of Jon Stewart that died in Dark Crisis is the variant who only... I don't think we even said this. They, The two Johns are kind of sharing their power, so they're he's, he's still an ascended being who's more powerful than the Green Lantern, but he's only half as powerful as Jon was when he fought uh, Koyo Sanoa. Yes, so, which, is con- which is real convenient, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I think it's like a happy medium of like they don't have to worry about him being like godly powerful anymore, but also we don't have to necessarily take back his ascension, which is really interesting and cool, and I love it. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe maybe they'll pull like a doomsday where like eventually like each each one of the two variants ends up of eventually getting their power keeps growing, so eventually they'll each be ascended beings with the full power that that just one had before. <laughs> I, yeah, it's an interesting looking at all of this. It's just it is still hard to figure unless they legitimately didn't didn't know what they wanted to do with Green Lantern. They didn't know who they wanted to be Green Lantern, even though it seems like I just if you look at you tie this into like Infinite Frontier, that, that ever so brief era, it just seems like and this could be completely wrong, but it's just a vibe I get. It's like it's like all a, a lot of these people that were just designed. They just wanted to be in power so badly. And then all of a sudden they get in power and they have no idea what to do. And they, it's like, let's do this and let's do that. And let's do this and let's do that. And they just keep jumping back and forth because it seems, it just seems odd that it's like, if they were so determined to do, Oh, we want, cause obviously they wanted John Stewart to be, to be front and center or else they wouldn't pick probably Jeffrey Thorne to do the book. Uh, I, so I suspect that was like a happy medium where it's like they really wanted John Stewart to be the main focal point, but and they so they and they found a writer who wanted a John Stewart to be the main focal point. And it's like boom, but it's like well we also want Joe to be in there, and it's like all, a lot of these other lanterns that were not either that super popular or that big in, from an importance perspective in the mythos at this point. 
not enough Jessica, even though Jessica is arguably more powerful. I mean, more popular than a lot of these other characters that they were forced into this book. Yeah. But then they do that. And then it's like, okay, it's like, well, but then we're going to stop the Green Lantern book, even though we could continue it because nothing that's going on in that book has a direct tie to Dark Crisis one way or the other. And we're not stopping anybody else's book or books, really. So why do we need to do that? And then it's like, okay, now we're going to end this. We're going to end this run when when you when pretty much I'm sure he pitched it as a three three year. Arc. Oh, yeah. And then it's mm-hmm. like, we're going to take it away. But yet we're, and we're but we're still going to have a John Stewart book. And we're gonna have a and we're but we're gonna have a Hal Jordan book too, probably because which may end up turning. Who knows? That could no, that's gonna be an Earth, so it's hard, kind of hard for that to be the core book. If there's gonna be a book where the core is in it a lot, it really wouldn't make sense for it to be the John the Hal Jordan book. But I don't know. It just seems like they don't know what the hell they want to do. Well, if, and yeah, no, they don't because like because it, it's I think it's important to remember like they didn't set out to have a John Stewart book. They ended up with a John Stewart book. Because they, this was, again, it was supposed to be just a mini series that existed alongside the Green Lantern book. And then it got folded together with the Green Lantern book. And then the other writer dropped out at the last minute. So it just sort of became a Jon Stewart book. And then it's, you play the game of like, okay, there's not, there's not a lot of time to rework this because we have to start, we have to start finishing issues. So, you know, the book, the 50-50 split of each issue that was originally there to accommodate two writers, uh, all the work is already done for the second half of it. So come up with something for the first half. Put Joe in that first half. Far Sector got popular with people that don't read comics and don't read Green Lantern and don't read, like, individual issues as soon as it came out in trade. So put... Put Joe in in that half. Okay, good. All right. What's your pitch for this ongoing series? And like we have that's another thing we have to always remember. Like everything that's happened in this book was pitched to the to DC and it had to be approved and accepted. And like he had to tell them everything he wanted to do, and they had to say, okay, do it. He had to say to them, All right, this is going to be a three arc story over the course of several years. And they had to say, cool, we like that. Go write that story. So like, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's unsatisfying in hindsight that we got all this buildup for stuff that never came together in the end. But at the same time, it's, it's the early stages of a three act story that, didn't get the chance to finish so it's like i kind of i kind of blame him but don't really because they told him he he could do it this way (laughs) oh yeah 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 i i I do agree with that i'm trying to phrase this the best way you are correct that if some if somebody tells you oh this is these are the parameters and you work under that and say oh the parameters have changed then it's not your fault and then even though if you're going to give you might get blamed you know what it reminds me of as you're talking about it? It reminds me of when Jay Leno decided to do that 10 o'clock show on NBC that he never wanted to do really anyway. But I think they promised him like at least like they they promised him something like like 18 months to like two years or something to turn that show around. And then like, and they like shit canned him like so quickly because the ratings were poor. And it's like it's like, well, it's like, yeah, but we but we knew the ratings were going to be poor to start with. But you figured we'd catch, you know, once 
once things were no longer in reruns and, and we have a better lead in from the prime time, you know, all that stuff. But it didn't matter because they, they and it's like this. So it's like, yeah, you have the, the parameters of it like, hey, you're pitching this three year story. And it's like, yeah, that sounds good to us. But we but he also is in the industry and he knows things change dramatically. And especially when they've been hop skipping and jumping through all these change of eras, you know, in a relatively short, you know, we haven't had a lot. So probably the, the thing that's lasted the longest probably was the new 52, right? I forget how many years the new 52 lasted, but that was probably the, the last, yeah. ch- the change that lasted the longest because rebirth didn't last all that long. It may have lasted longer than I think because friggin' doomsday clock took forever. I, I mean, think. Was the Simon and Jessica book that was entirely rebirth, right? Yes, because that I was, yes, that was they, like five or six trades worth, I think. Yeah, because we were because that was when they were announcing all those books. We everybody, well, not everybody, but we were we here were so depressed or surprised that they were announcing a new Green Lantern book and they were giving and they were uh, still giving it to uh, Venditti. Yeah, I think I think the I think the Simon and Jessica book ran like three or so years and the new 52 might have been like five or something. I'm, I, I don't remember. That feels right, but I don't know. Let's see. I'm looking at the Wikipedia <laughs> thing for what it's worth. I thought I just said said when. It, let's see. Yeah, began in 2011. And in 20 February, in May 25th is supposedly, I think, when the rebirth one shot came out. Which was pretty good, actually. But so mm-hmm. that was so so. It was a it was about that was about five years. Let's see. Let's see how long if it says how long. New Fifty Two was five years. I got yeah. it. Yeah. I was right. My yep. comic instincts have not failed. Well, yeah, oh. and it, and it makes sense because of because that that book got to about uh like fifty something issues or so, or shortly, or a little bit more than that when when Jurgens finished it off. When Jurgens ruined it. When Jurgens burned the house down on his way out the door. It looks like Rebirth was only like about a year and a half. Wow. If, if this is accurate, it was just, it was May of 2016 to November 29th, 2017. That's strange. And all right. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's Rebirth could have been good. They, 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 they did come, in all honesty, they did completely spit the bit with the whole, the way they chose to tell it, the dooms. If they had made Dr. Manhattan a more relevant part of the proper DCU and or not tied it all into that stupid doomsday clock miniseries that literally took two years to give us 12 issues, that things would have, that was, to a large extent, I still think that was part of the death knell of that whole initiative was the fact that the doomsday clock, which was, people were looking forward to and was supposed to be so important was so friggin' delayed that it had no real effect on current continuity during that time frame because you couldn't because it wasn't being published or finished yet at the yeah. time. I still haven't read it. I kinda don't want to, but at the same time I do because it makes Alan Scott literally the most important character in the universe. And I read it and I and I and I barely remember I don't it came out it it the publishing schedule got so poor that I I barely remember like the way much that of it. the way that Doctor Manhattan retconned the post Flashpoint DC universe into the New Fifty Two was he went back to Alan Scott's Green Lantern origin and moved the lamp 
Oh, like, that's right. You're an, right. An inch out of his reach so that he died or maybe he did, just didn't become Green Lantern. There was no JSA. Nobody in there were no heroes to inspire a young Clark Kent. So like the whole time frame of how and when superheroes developed was off because Alan died in that train crash. That's right. Now that you say that, I do remember I I do remember that. It's kind of fascinating, but like I don't know if I want to read the whole story for that. Yeah, it was an infinite frontier was March March 2nd, 2021 to basically the beginning of 2023 now because we're about to enter enter the the dawn of the DCU or arguably you could change this date because probably thanks to the uh you can make a case dawn of the DCU started with at the end of uh dark, dark crisis, crisis. Ah, I guess so but either way know. either way we're talking a month so it doesn't it does it doesn't really matter so based so infinite frontier lasted two years but it was so it actually holds it there was a lot with rebirth I think there's a lot if you compare the two <clears throat> of the initiatives, because while I wasn't that gung ho at all about the Infinite Frontier one shot, generally speaking, not compared to the Rebirth one shot, the Rebirth one shot was like John's kind of was like that was that was good John's I think that the Infinite Frontier one sh- it was okay I didn't like but I I never had a big good vibe off where that era was going to go but it it kind of cratered so fast when they were doing the inf- you know the Infinite Frontier miniseries and tying it back into Dark Side and guess what Dark Side really turned out to be not all that important because yeah. He, yeah, even though I guess we're supposed to assume the uh super version the the idealized uh fully reinvigorated uh reassembled version of Dark Side still exists I guess we're supposed to that's the one we have I yeah. guess. Yeah, why not? But, but and yet I I I hear and agree with all of this, and yet I'm still looking forward to Dawn of the DC Universe because I don't know. For it feels cleaner to me because it's not built on the back of some retcon or reason. Like the biggest restructuring element to it is we just don't have a Justice League anymore. Well, that's kind of it. Like we're going to, we're presumably going to let some other heroes be more prominent. And that's cool. <laughs> you know, like, like I am, I am on board for a, a bright, happy DC universe where legacy characters get to, to do their thing front and center. And if that's what, if that's what Dawn of the DC Universe is going to start to focus on, which it seems like that's part of the point, I think that I could end up pretty happy. <laughs> I want to be happy, Mark. Why would no, you I just know. let me be happy? I know. I'm trying to make you happy, Dan. The uh, I agree it's cleaner. It's a cleaner transition, and it's not built... It's not built on a massive retcon, though, I guess. You, can make, you could still make the case. It doesn't... It has no effect on us on earth but the fact that oh yeah we've added worlds back into the multiverse <laughs> that but you are correct based on it there is no retconning of the timeline there is no massive shift of things that happened before didn't happen now so yeah i i agree and it's nice to have something built potentially on the premise of hope though the whole amanda waller shadow hanging over it is probably uh that takes away like we talked about when we last episode, we, that does yeah. kind of take away from it to a certain extent. Yeah, but at the same time, I know plenty of people who have read 
who have been reading the last uh, iteration of the Suicide Squad and loving it. So for them, that page was probably like a huge deal, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it's there's a thing where like, oh, they're going to do an Amanda Waller thing that doesn't really sound like it's for me. All right, whatever. Oh, they're doing this whole Lazarus Planet mini event thing that you know could be fun, but I'm not too interested. And yet at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Action Comics looks like it's probably going to be pretty rad. And The Flash has that whole one-minute war story coming up that sounds amazing. And Nightwing is plugging along and has been great, and now it's going to start incorporating more of the Titans to the story. That's cool. And and we're getting two Green Lantern books soon. That's I, I, I can't wait for the next round of solicitations, because at least one of them should be in there. Like I'm not excited by like the big stuff that they've been teasing but the individual character books seem like they're headed in like really exciting and satisfying directions just based on what little we know about them right now i i would agree with that i think yes the quote-unquote big picture stuff between lazarus planet and the amanda waller stuff yeah i would agree none of that none of that seems particularly interesting at all so, in fact, and even just even just jumping into a pseudo mini event, not a real, not a big, big, big event, but a mini event literally within a month of you just ending your big event. Timing wise, it's kind of, I, I think that's stupid, but I don't I think that certainly decreases anybody's level of I know they technically could in their mind's eye because they would they would been laying the, the breadcrumbs for this for months. As far as advertisement and, and and promotional that they can say, well, that's why it's not it. It doesn't seem that shouldn't seem that jarring. We're doing this because you knew it was coming. But still, it's just it makes it harder. People need to breathe. People need to take a breath and like oh. and you don't get a chance to do that when, hey, we just ended one. And guess what? We're back to the other. So. But hopefully, yeah, let's keep your. Let's keep our fingers crossed that it will actually be uh, fun. And the Green Lantern stuff we get will actually be fun. All right, Dan, do yes. your thing. I just want to point out that it took me until just now to realize that Variant John is the reason why John has been wearing the wrong costume in Death of the Justice League <laughs> and Dark Crisis. Because I looked at it now, I'm like, wait a second. This suit with the sleeves and the pattern and all the thing, it's not, it might not be perfect, but yeah, this is, this is more or less the costume. So those guys were talking to each other and I'm glad, I'm glad about that. Um, but yeah, no, if you want to, now that, now that you've heard me and Mark talk about John Stewart, the Emerald Knight number one, if you're ready to hear the good version of that review, go over on to Mosaic Comics on YouTube. Uh, nah, this was good. I will have a video about it, though, along with a mass, a large catalog of other comic book analytical essays and reviews about mostly Green Lantern, but also other comics that are near and dear to my heart, like Dance Lost Run on She-Hulk, uh, Boom Studios, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and more that will be coming this calendar year. Uh, for right now, I think my most recent video is... Oh, yeah. I. I did. I brought back the Green Lantern Roundup, which was my uh, monthly series about everything going on in the world of Green Lantern. Where I just took a look back on 2022. 
uh, and just sort of ran down everything that came out in all media for Green Lantern just to see what kind of year the franchise really had. And that's on top of a lengthy series of of audience question, Q&A videos, the sixth installment I'm currently working on. And yeah, if you want if you want more comic and specifically Green Lantern stuff to consume, head on over to Mosaic Comics. January might be a little light, but that's only because I have a trio of videos that I specifically want to come out in February. And I'll talk about those a little more once we get closer. Uh, Until then, you know, hopefully you'll join me over there and we can have fun geeking out about comics together. Sounds good for us. LanternCast.com. The email is LanternCast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag Geocast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708 Lantern. And if you, and that includes if you're still looking for our Discord link, you can email us or again, text us 708 Lantern and we will get back to you. As far as the next episode, not quite sure yet. Uh, but, it, I have ideas. Dan and I have ideas, so we're gonna we're gonna discuss it, hash it out, and uh, you'll know when we know, <laughs> vice versa. <laughs> what we're gonna do is we're gonna agree on something to record, but then one third of the way through the recording, I'm gonna cancel it on Mark just out from <laughs> under him. But then we're but we're still gonna publish that third anyway, so you guys will all have to listen to it and get angry that you didn't get to finish it. We'll have to come up with a conclusion to an episode of like, oh. Forget it. You know the stuff we started with? Well, screw that. We're not we're not we're not even gonna mention it again. And then somebody's gonna come along and be like, like, I've built I've I I'm tired of current day Chad Bulkelman. I've built up this scarecrow in the image of college years Chad Bokelman <laughs> before he evolved. Has he evolved? Really? <laughs> I mean he got a haircut. <laughs> let me draw this smiley face on this scarecrow there that's chad there he is oh chad remember when chad was here i don't (laughs) and i was just gonna say chad's legacy continues but apparently for apparently for dan no it does not who was that masked man who gives a you know what oh god well happy new year everyone yeah we're off to a great start we are good night everybody Good night.